You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. As many of you may know, because we've made, or I've made, brief references to this on the podcast, we have semi-annual events, Bride Ministries, where folks that are connecting to our community drive and fly in from, well, all over the U.S. and now Canada. (laughs) And we're looking to add a few other countries to that list over time. But we recently had an event called the Bride Tribe Advance just last month, and it was absolutely extraordinary the way that God moved. Now, this has to this point been primarily targeted at those that connect with us through the Bride Ministries Church because we are intentionally building community at Bride Ministries. However, after some conversations, I've decided that I am going to open up the Bride Tribe Advance offering to the whole Bride Ministries platform. In other words, I want you, as our listeners of the podcast, to know about it and to extend you a personal invitation. Uh, We have succeeded at Bride Ministries, in my opinion, at building a core group of of, of those that are connected to us in community. And and it's been really cool. We have weekly meetings that uh, are, you know, made available to those that are connecting to the Bride Ministries Church. People are able to, you know, network with folks that are like-minded from around the world. And, 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 and we have moderators taking people through our institute courses as an audit uh, for the purpose of building community. Well, um, all of that's happening, but we, we do have a core now. And, and so we are looking at the whole thing and saying we want to add to the Bride Ministries family. And even if you aren't attending or able to attend the Bride Ministries Church, we want you to know that you are invited to join us at the Bride Tribe Advance this coming October. It's going to be the 24th through the 27th, and uh, I will be speaking, my wife will be speaking, our other leader here, Todd, will be speaking, and there will probably be some added surprises to that roster when we talk about folks that are going to be sharing. And so if you would like to come, like to hang out, like to meet some other like-minded people, shake my hand personally, uh, what you have to do is go to brideministriesinternational.com and on our church page there, or, or I should say our church tab at the top navigation, there is an, an events button. And if you go to that events button, you will see that you can sign up for the Bride Tribe Advance, October 24th through the 27th. And those prices have descriptions by them as you look at them. We have single room, uh, shared room occupancy, triple rooms, uh, and also suites. And so, anyway, now... You know. Folks, beyond that, I am just reiterating some of the things that we are doing. One, we are building, and we are building with people that we want to properly 
reflect this organization as they step into volunteer and servant leadership op uh, opportunities. And so we have a new uh, rule in place that all future servant leaders at Bride Ministries will have completed the entire Bride Ministries Institute. Uh, we are also going to be launching a mentorship program, and I'm going to be training people to work with folks that have uh, dissociative identity disorder and severe trauma and need need a deep deliverance and so forth, uh, the way I have learned to do it, and I am working on that. So look forward to that last point. Uh, I finished the draft of the book, Advanced Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. I am very excited to let you know. I am targeting a late August, early September release for that book, and um, we're already taking steps to move things in the right direction. So if you have been looking forward to an addition to your prayer and spiritual warfare arsenal, uh, delay is no longer. So look forward to that. Keep me in prayer. And with that said, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, we are back on Discovering Truth, and I am very excited to have my friend, Steve Harmon with me again. It's been a while since he's been on the program, but he is a walking testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. Steve Harmon flows in the ministry of divine healing and deliverance, and he's been working, like me, on the front lines of uh, SRA, you know, satanic ritual abuse with survivors uh, that, that have been through the gamut of traumatic experiences. And and well, he's here to join me to talk about some things, and I can't wait. His website is steveharmon.org. Steve, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you for having me, Dan. Awesome. Well, nice to be here. It's a pleasure. And, you know, I, I just want to get started, Steve, talking about something that uh, I, the subject's been broached in the past on this podcast, but it. It, it, it bears repeating, it bears, you know, reaffirming. The fact of the matter is the enemy wants people to have parts of their soul that hate Jesus from a place of dissociation. They, they, the, the enemy wants people to have fake Jesus programming, for lack of better terms, why? Jesus is the way out for everybody. And if the enemy can create a, uh, a disdain, a hatred, uh, a revilement towards Jesus, then the enemy knows that that person getting free will just never happen. And it's a brilliant tactic, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, re remove the safety net, uh, the salvation from the person. That's really what it comes down to. The enemy wants to go at that person. They want to 
make sure that they're going to, the last thing they're going to do is want to go to Jesus for their help. And uh, you see it so much in SRA where the ritual was comprised in a way where there is a lot of biblical content and a lot of times they'll take a person and dress them up as Jesus in the ritual, violate the person or have that fake Jesus person dressed up as Jesus, watch them being violated in some form or fashion. And they see that and it's to register in the mind of the altars and in the core of the person. And they see that, uh, they see that Jesus is not helping me and Jesus doesn't care. And Jesus hates me. That is so common to see that. And um, it just, it, like I said, it creates a, uh, a, a blockage towards, in the person's heart towards Jesus. And so much so that normally when you're, um, when you're really trying to get a person out of uh, SRA and you get all the stuff up, everything's coming up. They will, uh, uh, they will cringe when they hear the name Jesus or names like Jesus, King of Kings, in, in like, or, or whatever the names that they used in some of those rituals. They took those biblical names and they will use them in the ritual. So whenever they hear those names, they get triggered. And so I know you've seen it and it happens a lot. And, and uh, it's, it's one of the obstacles, the big obstacles that I don't think a lot of Christians realize can happen. I, I think that one false belief where they think that a demon can't say uh, certain things, Jesus is Lord or something like that. Uh, G, uh, you know, they can't use the name of Jesus. They can't use the blood of Jesus or something like that. It's like uh, they use it in their rituals. The, the witches use those things in their rituals. Um, you know, they, they use those things. They can say it's not like the preventative measure, but they use those things in those rituals. And uh, it's, uh, there's not power because certain things are said. There's power when it's said with the Holy Spirit behind it. Um, so this is so good, right? You're doing a really good job of explaining it, Steve. Um, now, there is an agenda in the kingdom of darkness to defile a person's view of Jesus at a deep subconscious level. And, and, and here's the deal, Steve, I, I, I'm meeting new people all the time. There's so many people connecting with our podcast and our ministry bride ministries, because we're, we're, we're providing answer sets for problems that they haven't been able to resolve using more traditional or conservative approaches to Christianity among other things, right? And, uh, you know, I, I meet a lot of people that are just at the very beginning of waking up to the reality that they themselves are a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. Because many people that have been around the church for a long time are, you know, showing up at church or have a bit of a Christian background because in the cult they were told to go to church. Yet, they don't know what's sitting under the surface. What are some of the uh, 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 symptoms that you've seen when you're working with people that have fake Jesus programming 
and are just waking up to the depth of their own brokenness? Uh, well, saying Jesus in the beginning didn't necessarily trigger. It was more when stuff started coming up, and all of a sudden, I it, it opens up their system, and then you have altars that come up, and they can't. The, the name of Jesus makes them cringe or it scares them. Um, but what I uh, had seen previous before a lot of the work was done was that the person just had an inward disgust for certain things, but they would have probably never admitted it to somebody. They wouldn't have said, Hey, communion is a bad thing. You know, uh, they just like never really liked communion. Just something about it. You know, it would kind of be kind of like that reaction. Um, uh, or certain holidays, <laughs> like certain people, I just never liked Christmas. I hated Christmas. I just, I just, well, maybe they didn't, never really had a, a strong negativity, but they just, something about it just didn't like, didn't like it. Um, didn't like certain scriptures. So, like I'd read that scripture. I just, just don't jive with that scripture. It's, I don't know why. Whenever they have a, I don't know why behind it, <laughs> but I just don't like it. And there's something there. There's usually something there. And that's just, I think, that's typical for any root for a person. And they say, I don't know why. And they have no reason. But um, but when it comes to just certain aspects of Christianity, um, and then they have that, I don't know why feeling, that's a that would raise a question. Like, well, why, why would you have something, a negativity towards something, but you don't know why? So. That's so good. That's so good. So this, it, it, and it's so true, right? This mm -hmm. deep subconscious thing going on that creates feelings. Um, some of the things that I've seen uh, includes people that they want to go deeper with God in the word and in worship or, 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 or just in that day-to-day -day communion and can't. It's like every time they go so far, it just railroads, stops. They can't go further. And they're like, I don't know why I can't go further with God or deeper with God. And I see people around me and it's like, they just go further and, and I'm stuck. And oftentimes it's because the subconscious pull that way is coming from a whole bunch of people on the inside. They don't even know are there. Mm -hmm. Also, bad advice from the voice of God. I don't know if you've ever run into this, but people go and they pray to Jesus and they come back and they're like, yeah, he was, you know, really hard on me. And he was telling me I'm really terrible and I'm just so bad and this and that. And, and, and that will get reinforced when you go to a preacher that tells you you're no good and you're bad and you're going to hell. So that yeah. whole system of preaching really works with the programming, but right. that voice of God, that's full of not conviction, but condemnation and shame and right. guilt that actually drives people away from God's open doors and not towards them. I, I, I can't tell you how many people early on in their life, their survivor, they haven't woken up yet and say, they, you know, you tell them, hey, I really feel like the Lord's telling me, like, this is what he has for you, right? Because I'm actually hearing God. But they yeah. go back and they pray to God and God says, no, that is absolutely wrong. That don't pursue that opportunity that your leadership or someone that hears from me very clearly 98% of the time, right? Because we all miss it 
and we can all miss it, but like, you know, absolutely wrong. Don't do that. Just do what you've always done that keeps you in this circle. That advice can be coming from a fake Jesus right. on the inside that they have not identified as that yet. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> like when it comes to listening to the prophetic, uh, when I hear somebody who's SRA, who's a survivor, and I'm trying to understand what, what they're hearing, you know, we, you got to run it through that fine tooth comb of, of the version of Jesus that you're familiar with. And I think that just is, uh, a good rule of thumb of how, why it's so important to have the right image of God and teaching them the right image of God, because that's really how you discern. It's, it's not about uh, whether you feel weird or negative on the inside and go, well, that sounds weird. It, or, or I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if that's God because you just never heard it before. And that's usually why people, you know, think that they're discerning. But it's, it's really having the right image of God, what he's like, um, uh, how he is with you, how he talks with you, and then you compare that with the tone and with some of the words that have been spoken to, that have been spoken to the person. I mean, that's how I, I look at it. I'm like, okay, I start running it down that, that little uh, track and just see if it, that's in comparison with the nature of Jesus as we know it. That's how, that's how you do it. I once ran across a situation where a person came back and said, you know, I want to talk to Jesus. And he said, I don't have to forgive this person for this issue. Thank you kindly. Mm -hmm. Oh, he did. He mm -hmm. told you that. Yeah. Uh -huh. so this is the kind of thing that I'm explaining. You know, the fake Jesus is a really, really tough problem to to, to handle. And, and here's something that I've run into, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this. You know, uh, oftentimes it's very helpful to introduce a person to God himself during mm -hmm. the course of work when the inner, inner, inner healing ministry is being processed as well as deliverance. And uh, there, there's a whole system that, that's been called theophastics. Now that has its own, you know, thing to it. And I'm not really talking about that. I'm just talking about the idea of having Jesus present, plain and simple, because the Bible says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And Jesus appeared to John in the book of Revelation, right? And so why wouldn't he appear for us and be there mm -hmm. for us? And so we begin to bring Jesus into the context of the system and introduce parts to him and all of this. But I don't know about you, Steve, every time a person has the fake Jesus program and I try to have Jesus come in and begin to work his healing and redemption with their parts and his restoration, they always pull up the fake Jesus first. Has that been your experience or has it been a little bit different for you? For, uh, for me, it hasn't been like that. I've seen that in in uh, a couple cases, but uh, no, for me, it's usually just uh, hearing off voices, uh, wrong information, things like that. I mean, we're asking Jesus, but the information is just coming off wrong. Um, I, I think uh, we, we, we look through that information, we read through that information, and we know it when the demon doesn't like it <laughs> or when the when the 
when the program's broken off or when the ritual's broken or whatever, and or the the people get saved on the inside. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it, it, for us, it's more of the issue of false information and having to siphon through that 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 false information. There was one girl I remember. She was hearing Jesus. She was hearing Jesus, and uh, and I remember her boyfriend was telling me, "Yeah, man, Jesus is really talking to her a lot and telling her this and that." I'm like, "Okay, there's that's true. Jesus can do that." And she'd hear it like audibly. And I go, "Well, what what does he say?" That's the room. That's how we get to find out. I mean, I think for a lot of evangelical Christianity. A person being talked to Jesus, Jesus talking to them, that's their red flag. That's where they go is the red flag. You know, Jesus doesn't talk like that today. You know, it stopped with the Bible being written. Um, but but the thing is, is that with her, she kept talking and saying, okay, Jesus is saying this, Jesus is saying this. I'm like, going, mm, I don't know. I think there was something where Jesus says, hey, I have this castle for you. And, uh, it, and, it, and it's, uh, there's my castle and your castle or my mountain and your mountain and all that stuff, which in the spirit, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there was something where he was making it sound like it's exclusive for you and me and that we're getting rid of everybody else out of the picture, something like that. Something that was just uncharacteristic of what Jesus would say. And I had told my friend, I go, I don't think she's here from Jesus. I think. I think this thing's fake. He's like, no, Steve, you got to trust me on this. She really is hearing from him. And I'm like going, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just doesn't sound like it. My version <laughs> of what Jesus sounds like. That didn't, Jesus is, is it's making her, her sound and him sound like it's just all about him and her and trying to not get her to look at the totality of humanity and all that stuff. It's it just the angle that the, that it, that I was using with her. And then, so one day she's, well, no, I see him. He comes up to me and he says, Hey, Steve, uh, you're right. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and she said, well, she was talking to that Jesus, <laughs> that version of Jesus. And all of a sudden it bit her on the neck <laughs> spirit. <laughs> and just went boom like that. And just viciously attacked her like a, a an animal. So I'm like, yeah, I go, I go, Trying to understand what you're dealing with when you when you're dealing with a, a false Jesus is uh, you have to really understand who God is. And when I do inner healing with people, I think in general the first thing I want to know is their image of God. Who is God to them? I believe that's really the most important thing. Um, I remember hearing a message years ago, and the Lord had me listen to this message again and again and again and again. And I probably listened to it 60 or 70 times. And it was um, uh, it was on the image of God. And it was about this person saying, you know, what you think about God is the most important thing in the world. What you think about God is the single most important thing in the world. And he talked about that, and he went on that, and he it explained why. When you have the wrong image of God, distortions creep in, and your view of God can change the way you live your life, and it does. If you see God as a harsh legalistic dictator, you're going to approach him the way you would approach a harsh legalistic dictator. 
you are going to probably have, uh, like if you walked into a throne room with that type of king, you would keep your head down. You would feel like if I make one wrong move, I'm going to get whacked. So I got to be really careful and, uh, or I'm going to get slammed. Um, I, uh, I don't want to upset him because it's a delicate balance that I'm trying to keep here. And, and so when you have these distortions that creep in, it's going to really define your whole walk. And when we see God in the wrong image, it'll also reflect on how we see ourselves. Because if we think that he doesn't have value for us, then we're going we're gonna to look at ourselves the same way that we believe he sees, he sees us. Everything is going to be defined by that picture of our image of God. So the image of God has to be distorted by the, by the enemy. It's, it's the most important thing to the enemy, I believe, worldwide. And, and in SRA, it's concentrated, real concentrated. Well, and, and this is such a systemic problem, Steve. This is systemic and this is a big deal. And I wanted to say this because I want my listening audience to hear this, okay? This, this is how deep this thing goes, right? It's been a longstanding fact that the enemy has infiltrated the schools of theology throughout this nation and others, where people are actually going to get trained to teach the Bible, to lead ministries and so forth. Not all of them are, obviously not all are infiltrated, but many have been. Um, and many ministers have been released from satanic ritual abuse backgrounds that they are amnesic of, carrying a fake Jesus program into the pulpit. So when they teach about who God is, the image they are pulling on, not because they are trying to deceive people, but because they are honestly doing their best mm -hmm. under the influence of sabotage and programming, projects a view of God onto those that have been gathered to them that is also false or misguided. So people end up being raised up under houses where it's all about shame, guilt, condemnation being this big though you slay me lord yet will i serve you i am a no good low down worthless sinner saved by grace even after i'm saved mm -hmm. and all kinds of other limited vantage points of one who god is and who we are in him it's 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 flawed so it's come from the cults putting fake Jesus programming in people has come from the pulpits and then it's been reproduced in people as an image that does that do not come from a satanic ritual abuse background necessarily but armies and armies of believers that well they cannot walk out into the deep things of God because of the belief system so it's brilliant planned by the kingdom of darkness and what happens is when people wake up out of this then they are rejected by their communities because there is a culture that's been set by a false image. Now, add to this the compounded problem of people that have a false image of Jesus released into other spheres of Christianity, like charismatic circles, word of faith circles, and even into 
Christian mystic circles, okay? Now, of course, I'm not naming names because I don't know everything, but I do see things. And what happens is people start using language like Jesus talks to me audibly all the time. Now you have someone with a really low view of God and self and this person that has Jesus talking to them all the time, two different versions of a programmed Jesus Mm -hmm. that is systemically defiling people's perspective. And so now no one really knows who to believe. And this is kind of where we are in world history right now, Steve. There's a lot of confusion. And I think some of this is systemic and it's intentional. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, the the image of God issue is critical. And I think it's being developed in different ways to fit people's belief system too. I mean, uh, just on the evangelical level, but uh, the 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 view of God to so many is uh, sometimes it's enslaving to them. Uh, the one survivor I work with on a regular basis, not only uh, did they have you know all that nasty Jesus programming through the rituals. But then they were led into legalistic type ministries throughout their life for almost 20 years. And it, like shepherding type uh, ministries. So they got to see all the junk from the rituals that's now embedded in their self, uh, their subconscious. And then they get to see in all those altars get to see a negative an abusive form of leadership through the church, through their life. So it just reinforces heavily that view about God, that he is a flippant, he is unhinged, uh, he, he can be offended easily, you know, in need of inner healing himself, the way we would see it. Um, they have this view of God that is just so um, stringent, so legalistic. I remember um, not too long ago, I had uh, I was talking to her on the phone, and I had an altar of hers pop up, and this altar says, "Who are you?" And I go, "Hey, I'm Steve," and uh, I don't know you. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but uh, we've been." in each other's lives for almost five years now. She's like, yeah, I don't know you. I don't know who you are at all. And I'm going, well, um, you see the caller ID on your phone? That's my name. I go, you have me, my name locked in your phone. She's like, yeah, I, don't, I know. I don't know why that is. though. And so she's freaking out, and then she hangs up on me because she's trying to figure out why her room doesn't look like her room, too. <laughs> And so I call her back. She picks up the phone. She's still bewildered. Uh, I give her, uh, I say, go to your computer. You'll see pictures of me and you, you know? And she's like, yeah, that's weird. I don't know why you have pictures of me and you. And uh, (laughs) I said, if you let me explain, I'll kind of give you a rundown of where everything's going. And then she's like, you know, uh, I need to talk to, uh, uh, Pastor so-and-so and sister so-and-so. And and it was like, I need to talk to my leadership first before I can communicate with you or whatever because you're a man and blah, 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 blah. 
And then she hung up on the phone on me. And that was an altar. Found out she was an altar because I asked her. She's 27 years old and the person's older than that now. And uh, that was when they were under the leadership of this guy that was a cult leader. I, 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 he's a bona fide cult leader. This guy should be in jail for the things that he's done to people. Um, but I, uh, I saw just a, a stark difference between when this person was under the programming of this cult leader, because that's what they're doing. They're just conditioning them more. And, and where they're at and where I have them now today, so much of a, of a, of a major difference you know, between the two. And uh, so it was interesting for me to see what she looked like, like 15 years ago under that leadership. And, and there was just this fear. I have to listen to my leadership because my leadership is God to me. And I got to do what they say. I got to, I got to, you know, because that's how God is. And if I don't, if I don't listen to them, then God's going to judge me because God put them in my life and all this stuff. So it's just this compounding of legalism and religiosity that the enemy is all about doing of defaming and distorting the image of God. It, and it takes a long, it takes a long time to, to undo that because the system is so um, convinced of an, of the, of, of the wrong view of Jesus. So when, they you come into their life and you start showing them a whole different version of Christianity and of Jesus because you're the representation of Jesus now to them and the new one. Uh, this is why it doesn't happen overnight. This is why that one of the reasons why healing just doesn't happen overnight. It's, if if the system wasn't so heavily opposed to Jesus, the SRA system. You would see you would see healing happen a whole lot easier, like you would with other people, uh, in just typical inner healing ministry. But because they have turned the system on its head and made them so opposed to the Lord, uh, this is what makes the, the the time duration take as long as it does, because it's an issue and it's a process of trust. Well, getting their system to believe that their version of Jesus that they experienced subconsciously and consciously throughout their life is wrong. And the one that you're presenting to them is right. It's like a, it's a slow process of evangelism. That is so good. You, and, and that's right. There's an evangelistic effort that happens through the system, through the subconscious to deeper and deeper levels of, you know, working, you know, into that person's core, eventually, you have to get a right view of Jesus Christ in those places. And, and this has, you know, a, a lot of questions around it, because a person says, isn't God, if I just, you know, and of course, they're going to say me being the presenter, whoever happens to be presenting at the surface, Many survivors do not know that their presenter is not their core. Mm -hmm. But whoever's, you know, you just think this is how it should work. I, at the surface, if I just believe in God, isn't he powerful enough to put a right image of himself through my whole being? Even if I ask him to, I, if I ask him to, what about faith? What about I'm saved by grace through faith and that not of myself? What about, what do you mean 
evangelizing through my person, right? So people get stuck. But, but Steve, there's something known as the free will of man and in dissociation, the free will of parts or alters. What, what, what does that mean from your perspective? So, so in, in the world of DID, the view is, is that the, the fracturing happens in the mind and the mind splits. Now, my belief is that the mind is not in the brain. The mind is in the soul. And when, when, when I think when Christians try to take the secular form of how DID works from psychology and they pull that in, well, psychology doesn't believe that the soul exists. They just believe in the brain. But in our world, we see that there is a soul, there's a spirit. And, and the mind is contained in, in the soul itself. So it doesn't mean that you can't see fracturing in the brain if you put it under an MRI. It just means that when parts are switching out in the soul, their frequency is going to come up and it's going to switch the brain. So it's just going to, the brain, when they, when they take the brain scan, they're just going to see the after effects of what's already going on in the soul because, because the brain is the receiver. But 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 the reason why I'm stating it this way is because the soul is where the will is. So when the person fractures, that new part of the soul is created. And once it's created, it is now, in a sense, independent of the core. So it has its own will. It has its own will. And once that person, that little, that little person has their own will or whoever they are, they can make their own choices. And God will submit just like he submits to our will because that's how he, that's how he created it, the system for free will to, to be enabled. He, he will submit to that will. And it's a legal issue now. So the person's core can choose to forgive mom and dad for all they've done, but they can still have the demonic attached to them, basic, not, not necessarily attached to the core, but attached to those altars that, are at, that in a sense are attached to them through the, those cords. And they can be tormented via those altars. So that's mainly... One of the tactics that the enemy tries to do is get the parts of us to stay out of agreement with us so the demonic can use them as the, uh, as the, the way to get to us. Because you want to get to the head. You want to influence the head because the, as the head goes, so goes the rest of the body. But you're just going to keep them in torment because you know that they're attached and they're going to they're gonna send those feelings back up into you. And... Um, so the issue about will is, is that when they are separate, they have their own will and they need to come out of compliance on their own. There's some things where the core can, can, um, make a choice and then it will ripple down through certain altars, but then there's some altars that it won't work that like that with. I don't know all those legalities of, of, of exactly why that is, but I've just seen it that way some will work and then some won't work and so uh 
I mean, and you can try all day long. It's, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm only saying all this from experience, not from just what I pop, you know, come up with in my head. It's, you know, you're going to try the core. You're going to try to have the person repent. You're going to try to have the person forgive or do whatever the, the thing they need to do. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work no matter how you do it. But when you get the altar to do it, wow, just like that, it works. So there's something to it. And uh, I think a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is it's come through experience. It's not come through what we've been taught by other people. It's come, it's come through what you've tried and what, you, what, what, what has worked and what hasn't worked. Trial and error. Um, I mean, when you're, when you're going at this stuff, you don't want to be in a two or three or four or five or 15 hour session with a person. You want to get that done quick. You're going to try whatever it takes, even if you were opposed to it at one point and you didn't believe it worked. And, but you'll come to a point where you'll be desperate enough to try anything, even what they suggested. And you try it and it didn't work. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, but you just want to get freedom. And I, I think sometimes the knock for inner healers <clears throat> is that they want to do this long these long sessions and they, they don't want to speed things up and they don't want to have a quicker way and a better way. <laughs> like, that's just not true. <laughs> we want it just as quick as anybody else. But the reality is, is that we're not going to run from, uh, from a person just because we didn't use the quick and instant healing method and it just didn't work. We're going to stay in it and we're going to keep working with the person. And, uh, to me, that's the only way you're going to find out ever how to do it faster or better. You've got to figure out how to do it, how to do at it all. at all. At yeah. all. Yeah. If you, so I, I'm, I'm, I've seen so many people just um, have that attitude that everything should be done quickly and fast. And uh, I know those people don't have 100% uh, uh, healing success. They may say it, but they're lying or they're not being honest with themselves because there's no person on this planet that can do that. And I would challenge anybody who would say that and, and, and try to hold that. But there's, there's nobody that can do that. And when they, and part of the reason why they can't do that and why I've had to work with a lot of people who have gone to those people who claim that they've healed so many or, 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 or like flawless and all their healing is because those people are stage healers. They're five and fly ministry, which is what I call them. Uh, they pray for people for a short amount of time, and then they'll say after the meeting, everybody in the meeting got healed. They come up to them, and they, you know, sit there and they they go, well, yeah, everybody got healed. They go to the next meeting and go, yeah, last meeting I was, I was at, everybody got healed. Yeah, it's like, well, did you really? Did you really investigate every single one of those? You just take the testimony. And did you talk to everybody? And did it come back the next day? Did you follow up with them? Because it's the follow-up is where everything goes awry. I mean, you start seeing if, if, if 100% actually got healed in that meeting, you would start to, and if you started interviewing people days and days after, you'd start seeing it taper off and start drastically going away. And you'll start seeing people lose their healing the next day, second day, third day, a fourth day, sixth day. And uh, two weeks later, it, symptoms start coming back. Some of it will be partially healed, grad, uh, you know, 
to a portion, but all the pain left on that day, and that's how they were judging it. They didn't get it really verified, but they'll look at it. And, uh, and so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come back. And, and, and a lot of times, some of these meetings where 70 or 80% got healed, that they claim got healed, um, maybe 15 to 20% actually kept it and it sustained. With those type of preachers or those, those, those ones who just go out and they just want to do quick ministry like that, uh, they don't follow up with the person. They don't want to spend five minutes, more than five minutes with the person. They don't want to go into it. And they have a, a belief that you just, everything should just be done quickly, fast, and easy. And if it's not, then it's not God. So why spend all these hours and hours with the person trying to get them healed? You know, um, but like I said, they don't have any answers for why the people that they pray for didn't get healed. They'll just say they didn't receive. Um, they didn't believe enough. No, you should always throw back on them. All these things. You know, it's all these excuses uh, to, to cover their butt. But, you know, I, I think the issue is, is that when it comes to doing this inner healing, we, we do it because we, we know that it just doesn't work that easy because there's different obstacles that get in the way. And we truly want the person healed. That's just what this is all about. It's not about trying to have a reputation with people that we, we can just heal anybody and come to our ministry and donate to it and, and uh, come to us and give us notoriety. We want the person healed. We really do want the person healed. And if it takes whatever it takes to get them healed, as long as it takes, we're going to figure it out and try to understand the key behind what is keeping that door locked. Because Jesus does want them healed. We know that. We can all agree on that. Yes. So the question is how and why. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're just really breaking it down. And, and, and I mean, I, I could, you know, give example after example after example, but I'm just going to make something up, you know, to, to kind of illustrate for people how what we're talking about, what Steve is bringing up, plays out in real time. You may meet a person and they have shoulder pain, okay? And you pray for the shoulder and the shoulder doesn't get better. Pray for him again, have someone else pray for him and find a real powerful prayer warrior to pray for him. And their shoulder gets a little bit better. Two weeks later, you're like, how's your shoulder? I finally found someone to the right prayer to pray for you. It's like, oh, it's back. You know, it's like, oh, you don't have enough faith, you know? And so we keep trying and praying for the shoulder, praying for the shoulder, praying for the shoulder. A year later, it's a bad shoulder. Hmm. So then we go in, someone like me or Steve, and we start asking, you know, is there anyone that received a shoulder injury? right? And at first, there's um, nothing coming forward. But then suddenly, this, the Holy Spirit brings the person's uncle to their mind. And it's like, I think there's some unforgiveness towards the uncle. But I, I don't have anything to forgive my uncle for. Mm. Well, let's explore that, you know. And as we begin to explore and Holy Spirit knocks over an amnesia wall, suddenly, we find an event, a memory where that uncle twisted that person's shoulder and did some other things to them that were really bad. Mm -hmm. And there's a part trapped in a trauma loop that's behind an amnesiac wall that has unforgiveness towards the uncle and also a twisted shoulder themselves. 
Now the body only knows the symptom. And the prayers are going towards the presenter. But no one's praying for the six-year-old that actually had his shoulder practically twisted out of place. Now when Jesus heals the six-year-old and the six-year-old forgives the uncle, shoulder healed. Hmm. Yeah. that's 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 the thing that i don't think a lot of people want to face because again they want everything instant and that i think it's a part of our culture uh our culture wants everything instant uh that's what gets the most popularity is when you have a message that kind of teaches that so people are looking for that quick fast and easy and they'll always defer to look at jesus just went around touching people they got healed and I asked, I asked the Lord this question um, years ago. I said, Jesus, did anybody lose their healing when you prayed for them? And, uh, and the answer I got was this. He says, well, when you pray for those people and they get healed and then they lose their healing, well, who do you think does the healing? I do. Jesus does the healing. Of course he does the healing. What makes you think it was any different from between then and now? There are, that, that's why Jesus said to the one, go sin no more. Because some things were, were maintained based on the person's actions. Not all sicknesses are like that, but some can be. So the, the, there, are, there is some responsibility on the person to understand what the deeper issue is. Sometimes... There can be that level of healing, but it's only going to bring it to a certain point, and then inner healing needs to come in and clean up the rest of it. Sometimes it's just the demonic, uh, uh, like a spirit of trauma, aggravating the issue that was already previously there. You remove it, and so that's why the person gets 50% healing on their body. But something may need to be done a little bit further. Uh, There was the time where Jesus said to the to, to some people, he said, um, you know, you've, you've gotten healed, and then they take off, and then the one came back and realized it, and it's like, thank you, wow, I got healed, and then Jesus used the word sozo, you were sozo, he uses the other word that wasn't sozo, but so, the word sozo is healed mind, body, and soul, the guy got healed from inside out, when Je- so Jesus changes the word, uses a different word with them, previous, and, and then uses the word so with this guy because he had a, a, a total different understand a totally different understanding when it came to um, receiving that healing. Uh, it is my view that, like I said, I, I, I talked to you before that uh, the soul needs to be healed just across the board with every Christian. I think that should be a part of life. I think the very first thing a Christian needs to do is learn to hear from God. But, Throughout life, I think inner healing should be done to every believer. They, you should be imposing it on yourself for the rest of your life casually. I'm not saying that you need to be in a session and everything, but I'm saying inner healing is just a good idea. It's just a good idea that we all go through times and let God heal us through, uh, through things that had happened through our childhood and, and just be open for it. As as a lifestyle, because if we just did that, there would be so much that 
would be getting out of the way from what hinders us from our walk with God and going deeper. Um, I believe if, if certain people of faith in the past would have been, had, had had that concept of getting in or healed, like some of the big names, like William Branham, uh, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, um, uh, Amy Simple McPherson, if some of these people would have gotten inner healing, I think some of their journeys wouldn't have ended the way that they did. If they did. Yeah, I think that the misconception is just because you move in power means that uh, you're immune. You're immune to all this stuff. And just because you move in power means that uh, in such a great level of power, you're all healed and you're all, you know, there can't be anything demonic in you or attached to you or whatever or any alters. You can have any alters. I'm not saying that they believed it back then. I'm sure they didn't. But but my point is, is that it's a really good thing. So to me, a person who's got that strong anointing, it's like wielding a big sword, but you don't got it really much armor on. You don't have to, uh, enough armor on because you're not dealing with some of those wounds that are the open doors that are creating the attacks of the enemy. And, and when you wield the big sword, the enemy is going to see you from a mile and they're going to want to bring you down because that big sword does a lot of damage to them when you're moving in power, supernatural power like that. So they are going to do what they can to bring you down. So, But like I said, a person's under that whole misconception that since I work in this great power, I really don't need that healing. I, I you know, I'm healed because why, why would the power of God be on me so strong if, if, I wasn't healed. Jesus paid it all at the cross, brother. Nothing, nothing is more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Not even your theory that you need inner healing or deliverance. Christians can't have a demon, Steve. Yeah. Yep. You hear that? There's, uh, we hear, there's that? so many evidences, teachers, and books written to affirm that belief system. Yeah. That demons don't exist in believers is, I, I don't even try to much engage with that. I think I'll probably write a couple posts on it because it had been going off on, on social media a, a lot lately and people have actually believed that Christians can't have demons. I, I, I believe deliverance is for primary Christians. It's primarily for Christians. It's, it's really not something for uh, unbelievers. You can do it for unbelievers. I do it in unbelievers in certain cases, but it's primarily primarily the cleaning up process for a believer. And again, it's all based on this issue that they have no concept of what the soul is and how the soul works. And they don't understand that the soul split. They don't understand that the soul and the spirit are two separate worlds too. So when you have a lot of this lack of understanding and it's just this basic rationale, American westerner type of viewpoint where you don't really see into the spirit you don't know much about the spirit and you're just judging everything by the body and you and this one self well then that's why they just come to those 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 beliefs uh, that a christian can't have a demon that you know all you got to do is just plead the blood of jesus over yourself and 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 it's all gone i just plead the blood through my system why because i said it i know it's already done or, or you have the belief system. Oh, it's already finished. You know, I, I, I've railed on that belief so much. There, there's, there's a truth to it is finished, absolutely. But then there's a lot of misconception to it is finished. 
and uh, I deal with a lot of the people who believe God on the Innis, it is finished train, and uh, I, I deal with them that have, have tried that further healing, and, and that's where the rubber meets the road, and you see it actually doesn't really work as like they say it does. In some cases, it can because there's certain criteria that it's supposed to meet, but in many many cases, it doesn't. And uh, uh, it's it's not going to be fixed up by you finding the magical belief. The magical belief is just not going to cure you. It, there's a process. The process is the, the the sanctification, and I think we don't like to hear those words because it was used so wrongly through years of, of legalism. But sanctification is the maturity process. And when we, when you look at it on the level that we're talking about with altars, you see that the whole soul doesn't instantly just come into full agreement with the core. It just doesn't. And that's why it takes, it takes time. It's because the soul is not one. And the soul, it takes time for that soul to, to, to come into place. And not, not every part of a person gets uh, gets healed through a session some parts i've seen get healed through um hearing revelation some parts come to jesus through revelation some parts come to jesus through you could be worshiping in a song and the presence of god touches you now and the person receives a great deal of healing and go i was healed but on, on the inside really jesus is coming into those parts of your soul and those parts are coming out of captivity and coming from the darkness into the light. Um, some of it can happen through, I've seen it through hugs, where I've embraced a person, and, and, and it's something, and the demonic broke off, and then altars came over to Jesus through that. So there's a lot of ways where people have been getting healed uh, uh, throughout history, uh, whether we knew it was altars or not, this has been happening. But... Um, it, I think the thing is, is that when we when we really look at it, uh, this this is something we. I think the church really needs to invest in. The church needs to be open to. They need to quit holding on to those beliefs that everything is supposed to be done quick, fast, and easy, because they want to sprint to the finish line on everything. When they're not getting results, I'm gonna, if you're getting results like that, well then do it. But I guarantee you, you're not gonna you're gonna hit a wall. But some people, I guarantee you, or you're not following up with everybody and being really honest. The church is one of the few places in the world where you can build an entire platform on an unsuccessful approach to solving a problem. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. And you will raise money and find support. Like in no other sphere, politics. Well, maybe politics. <laughs> That's <laughs> certainly not business. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. politics. But the thing is, Steve, I think this grounds out, right, on Hebrews 10.39. This, this is a big one. This is a big one. It says, we are not of those who draw back unto perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And, and to me, it's an idea that, look, yes, our eternal security is established in Jesus Christ, but there is a salvation process 
like you said, called sanctification for the soul that is ongoing. And we as the church have not understood quite specifically how dissociation plays into this command. Mm -hmm. So we have not seen that the command to believe to the saving of the soul is an affirmation of God. You must push past the amnesia and the dissociation to get to the parts of the soul that needs saving. Like little Amy that got raped by the uncle and, you know, this part that got absolutely physically abused by mom and this part that took all of the verbal abuse from older brother and on and on and on. All the stuff that we just lock in a box and put in our non-Christian compartment and say, we'll just put a veil on that and pretend like that's not what we identify with. We're a new creation in Christ. So all of that stays, but it'll just be locked up 90% of the time, unless we're behind closed doors with our spouse, where we'll just let it all out for them and them alone, maybe the kids as well. And, you know, a few other folks that just cross us on a bad day or in traffic. But, you know, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, Steve, there's a higher call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, man, I, 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 go ahead, no, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. I think that there's a coming shift, Steve. I think that, that God has his finger on this and us and others because he wants to make this reality part of church culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, it has to. Uh, I don't know how Christianity is going to, going to keep going if, if the church doesn't make these changes, either the church is going to just conform and just be like the rest of the world and, and, and start believing the way that they, the world wants. There's a lot of compromise in that. Um, or we're, we're supposed to be really different. We are supposed to be different. We're supposed to have a better way. We're supposed to have, um, we're supposed to have the know-how and the answers to things. And, and when we are certain going after the world and asking the world for the help and, and the world actually is producing better results, then what's the difference of it? What's the point of anybody coming to Christianity when it doesn't show any benefit above what they already have? <sighs> there's, there's just a lot that needs to change. There's a lot that we need to grow in. There's a lot we need to, uh, to, to let God show us. Let God challenge us with. We need to know more about how the soul works and know that things are not going to come easy. Always come easy. Some things will come easy. I'm, I'm for the easy. I'm always going after the easy, wanting, wanting the easy to manifest, wanting, wanting this process to be shorter, quicker, and easier. It's just I, I, I want it. Uh, you know, anybody does. Nobody I've ever met wants this to be a long, drawn-out, hard process. And uh, again, that's goes back to us getting the represent the, the reputation that we, we want to make. We, you know, when you're trying to tell somebody, no, inner healing takes time and it, it can take years. <sighs> Gosh, these inner healers, they just want to drag things out. They don't want to just believe what Jesus, you know, walks in and believes in their identity and believes who they are in Christ and believes in the power of the process and them. And uh, everything that he's, it's already paid for. They just don't believe like us. It's like, no, we've been there. We've done that. 
we did, we preached it. We have the sermons. We, we were there at one point. We were on fire, just zealous, just like you, that it would work that way, uh, you know, but it just doesn't in every case. Now, this, this whole conversation on inner healing would be nice and tidy, Steve. Okay, now, now I'm, I'm just going to sink the ship for a little bit, right? I have to. It would be nice and tidy if everything that needed healing was present in the physical body. But it's not. As a matter of fact, sometimes the biggest parts of a person's soul in need of healing are somewhere else or in someone else or something else or in another dimension altogether. But I'm going to ask you, why do you not look at me like I'm crazy, Steve? Because I have the same experience as you do. <laughs> it's all through what we've experienced. I mean, it's all a theology or a theory until you actually do what Jesus tells you to do and you find out, oh, okay. Going after the sick, you know, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, just doing his stuff, you'll, you'll find out that um, – that some of these th theologies are just theologies that are made up by people who are armchair theologians who sit around and they contemplate their navel and they sit back and they tell you how they think God and the world works and how, you know, their, you know, 15 or 20 counseling sessions that they've had represents the whole entirety of all situations in the world and they could tell you how it all works. Because they've had, or they had maybe two or three deliverance sessions as well, and, and they think they know how deliverance works. I realize after doing 400 deliverances, I still had a lot to learn. I always say that, but it's true. There's a lot to learn about the spirit world, there's a lot to learn about the soul. Those are, those are uncharted territories that the church is very unaware with. Because again, I, I, the thing I always harp on is, um, the church not wanting to go into the spirit, the supernatural route, like it's an option. I don't think it's an option. I think it's mandatory. I think it's only an option in the West, and it's been promoted that way, that you can access God, the supernatural God, but leave all the supernatural out of it. It's, it's absolutely, in my opinion, of the doctrine of demons, it's a total deception, because uh, demons wouldn't want us to work that way. They'd want us to try to you know, believe in this supernatural God and uh, not use any of this supernatural power or have this understanding of the supernatural world, which they thrive in, which they can keep doing what they want to do because you're not going to believe they exist. Demons don't want you to believe exist. I mean, that's probably the number one thing. They don't want you to ever believe they exist. So, and they don't want you to ever focus on them either. You know, the, the thing that the criticism of a lot of Christians don't ever focus on demons, put your eyes on Jesus, you know, because you, you like, like if you focus on them, all of a sudden you're going to start being influenced by demons and, and you know, start wanting to worship Satan, something ridiculous like that. Um, it, it's de that, that, that belief comes from demons itself. Demons don't want you to ever focus on them. And if, it, if they, you do, well, then they'll just try to string you in the legalistic route and try to make you demons here, demons there. And you want to be ultra hyper demon um, to where you, uh, you know, to where you lose uh, your focus on you know, the centerpiece of Jesus and all that stuff. But 
there's a balance in that. And I think both of them are out of balance. And uh, we, as the church, have strayed so much and we've taken the rational route of, of, of the way the culture works in our country. Uh, we don't want to be made fun of for being weird or, or, or looking crazy. Um, I remember uh, somebody saying, uh, Jesus, he, he didn't call us to be weird, but he called us to do weird things. Uh, and I, I'm saying you, you sometimes you have people that are hyper spiritual and they want to be mystical and wispy and weird and all that stuff. I, I get that and that's fine. Uh, but you, you may have a hard time connecting with some people, but it, it doesn't mean that you're not called to do weird things. You may have to grab and down, you know, grab some mud and put it in somebody's eye or something like that, or do or do weird prophetic acts or speak in tongues in a specific way to make to unlock something in the spiritual world. And you may have to talk about spiritual things that are really out of the box and, uh, and, and makes it sound like you're talking in sci-fi. Uh, but if we don't understand this stuff, if we don't do this stuff, we're not going to see the, uh, the, the fruit that Jesus said we would see. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are under more of a delusion of thinking that they're really winning this battle. I think I, to some degree, I was going, yeah, we're really winning. Now, we're, we're winning in, in, in to some degree because religion is changing. The church is changing, and, and we're coming into new things. So that's where we're winning. The church is, 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 is shedding a lot of their old views of God, those negative views of God that are, that are hindering. So that's where we're winning. But as far as, as, as us changing the culture, I used to say that the church is really changing the culture, but it, it's not. <laughs> I don't think so. When I really look at it and I take a step back, I go things that the Judeo-Christian ethic has changed the cultures. If you look in past history, that's definitely has changed things for the better. Absolutely. That needed to change, but things have deteriorated. And I think religion has helped create uh, a negativity uh, towards Christianity. And so we have to undo that. But I, but what I'm trying to say is, is if you think you're just winning, then you kind of sit back and you go, well, the recipe that we're work using right now is, is working. So we don't need to do any more changing. And that's my point is that, no, your cities are not coming to Jesus. Show me one city in the United States that, have come, that has come to Jesus. You're not going to find one. Show me where the crime has decreased down to, you know, 4% and maintained itself. You're not going to find it. So don't say we're winning when I, cause just because the church is changing or you're seeing healings happening in your church, we, we've got to up our game and we still got to keep putting our foot on the pedal and going forward and, and keep morphing. The church needs, needs to still grow. It needs to change. It needs to keep um, being open to the things of God that God wants to stretch them into. And it's, it's being open to being stretched. A lot of church, Christians are just not open to letting God stretch them and introduce things to them that they may they may feel is 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 you know questionable or 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 or, or, or it, it, it could be a deception or something like that. That's Christians do. They, they, anything that's weird, they just think it's a deception. Uh, you your discernment is to go in and just not push anything right at the door and just say, okay, I don't like the appearance of what this looks like. This can't be of God. 
why don't you interview who's at the door and then question them and go through the process and then and then use your discernment. But once you just instantly see something and it's too weird because it's out of your box and you just slam the door on it, that's not that's that's like you know uh, the, the scripture that says uh, for lack of knowledge people perish, and then it says why because they rejected the knowledge, and it's usually based off of that. It's based off of that response of seeing 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 something, judging by the appearance, and and not discerning it by opening it up, just ha having a, a, a an open mind and going okay, I, I'm going to I'm I'm going to hear what this what this message is about. You know, if somebody hears you, they're going to, they may hear you at first and they're going to go, oh my gosh, he's talking about all this crazy stuff. That just sounds just insane. I, 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 and that's their appearance. That's like them opening the door and like, that's just nuts. I'm shutting the door on that. Not hearing what you say, not trying to let the whole thing come through and just say, maybe there's truth in what he's saying. You know, if they have that approach, I think they would be able to grow themselves. And God would be able to give them more revelation, but they are making the choice with their own will to shut the door on those things because they've never heard their pastor on Sunday morning preach what you're saying. And, I, and they're basing it off of that. Not really real discernment. I can't tell you how many people, I can't tell you how many people have, 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 have come to me with this, right? You know, I was asking God, give me an answer. Show me what's going on. And then I found your podcast. And then I freaked out and shut the book and didn't do anything for seven, eight months. And then I was crying out to God again. And he sent me your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like God, like, no, this can't be true. No, God, he's wrong. Did you hear what he said? God, he was talking about real crazy stuff, God. This can't be real. No, no, no. So then we'll go around the mountain one more time. So then I took your podcast to my pastor. And he said, don't <laughs> listen to that. This is not the truth. So five <laughs> months later, I'm again crying out to God. Give me an answer. Yeah. <laughs> right back. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and this is the thing. <laughs> God is our advocate. So he's going to keep showing us the truth if we're asking him the right questions. It, it, this may not be in the package or the, uh, the, uh, of the content that we want it to be. Let's put it that way. Man, yeah. Okay. yeah it, I, I think, you know, it's been the same way where I've had it. Uh, people didn't like what I said. Um, it took them about maybe 10 months to mull it over, and then they go, all right, now I hear what you're saying. Now, that's a person at least at least they're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, they're going through a process of <clears throat> discernment, but it's the people who just shut the door, close the door. No way. That can't be true. It's like, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot when you do that, when you have that type of approach to everything. And you just can't think things out for yourself. You can't, or it's just too scary for you because you just never heard this. You never heard your pastor say this, or you, or your the, the the people that you follow ever say anything like this. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 fear. 
fear is the thing that is such a, a major deterrent. Um, fear can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, too. It can, it can keep bad things from coming towards you, and it can also keep good things from coming towards you. But when you have a one-mode model of anything that's weird or makes me fearful, I, my solution is to shut it all down. Well, you're going to be drastically limited, and then you're going to be going, God, why? Where are you, God? Where are you? You know, and all this. Where are you? I, I've been crying out for you for months now. Keep sending him the message. Keep sending him the message. I'm crying out to you, God. Why aren't you listening to me? I'm asking for answers. And you keep sending him back the message. You know, get rid of your criteria of how you judge, <laughs> of how you make your discernment. Because your discernment is on the, it's, it's on the, uh, uh, the high, you, you gotta, you gotta turn it down a notch. The, the, uh, the, the severity or, or, or the high priority, you gotta turn it off the height. You gotta make it, turn it down a couple notches because you're, you're blocking out everything that's good too. Yes, you're blocking out negative stuff that you don't want to receive, but you're also blocking out stuff that I'm trying to talk to you on. That's where we're really getting to all this is that some people need to bring it down their discernment notches because they're blocking out things that God wants to tell them. Well, and, you know, Steve, <clears throat> coming back to where we started, one of the biggest challenges that people are going to have to overcome is the false image of God and related fake Jesus or fake Trinity. Mm -hmm. We can expand this to Father and Holy Spirit as well, which are also defiled in the cult. And sometimes yes. Satan is your father. Yes. And you have mm -hmm. to go to Satan's throne when you go to the throne of the Father and receive yep. abuse there. And so we could expand it. But if that's the subconscious model that's sitting deep inside of a person, uh, and that's what is getting consulted, you know, uh, that, that can also be a problem. And I have seen survivors consult a false trinity about whether they have programming. And of course the answer is, no, you're just fine. Keep doing what you're doing. That's the program talking. And so yeah, it's a complicated mess we're up against. It is complicated. Yeah. It's a complicated mess. Yeah. Because see, see, when a person wants to turn it up to high priority, <clears throat> And block out everything that, that, again, they shoot themselves in the foot because they're just not going to be hearing from God. They're not going to get in a lot of the revelation that's going to give them the breakthroughs. And then if you have it on the low priority, too low, then you got deception coming in. And, and, and you see believers just getting deceived and, and then going into a lot of teaching. They're just like, well, I'm just so open to everything. And uh, I, I hate religion. I can't stand all the religious stuff. So anything that was taught to me, I'm going to believe the opposite. You know, any time religion's trying to put me in a corner, so they, they, they swing the pendulum to the other end, and they, they're open to whatever, and, and they believe that Christianity and all the churches and, and religion has all oppressed, taught them all these false things about Scripture. They, the Scriptures are wrong and all this stuff, and we've been told a false Bible, and they just go, they start going off on the deep end then because now their brains are falling out because they're so open-minded. So obviously there's, there's, a, there's a balance in there and it's, and it, it's, it's like that thing just has, it has to kind of rotate in that middle. You, you can't be so full on blocking everything. You can't be so, uh, you know, uh, full off of it and to where you're going to hear any deceptive voice going on on the inside. Yeah, Jesus is talking to me and, and not having any discernment just because you feel 
that uh, every voice on the inside is Jesus. And it, it, yeah, and I, that's why I don't think anybody can have a, a perfect sermon on how you can discern. There's no perfect way of discerning. You just, the best thing you can do is, is really get your image of God in order, mm. help with that. Mm. That is the number one thing. <clears throat> but still, when you're in that middle ground, that means you're going to be open to things and some things you're going to miss. But what, there, there are times where I, I've seen things that I'm like going, well, is that God? You know, I'm like, I don't know. It, but, you, you, but like I said, because you don't want to shut the door on it real quick. <clears throat> but you, you see it get in and you're like, okay, is this Lord? Am I being deceived? Am I being deceived? But you're, you're kind of keeping your walls up. That's kind of, but, but you're keeping it open just enough to look. Because you're, you're just evaluating. You're going through that evaluation process. And then if you, you look at it kind of like that, that's really like the best way of handling anything like that. Not being just so, I'm going to be so open-minded and I'm just going to believe anything just because it's what I was always taught. Or I'm just going to close off everything. I've had it to where I'm just evaluating it, evaluating it, and finally I see if it's true or not. You know? You know, and, and- takes time some some things you'll see right off the bat some things it'll take it'll take a little bit but i think that's the way you're supposed to handle it. <clears throat> and folks at the conclusion of this whole conversation if you feel like your brains just got scrambled and you're like wow i don't even know what anymore keep this in mind number one what is your image of jesus christ number two where's the fruit Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit, you know? And number three, as weird as it is strange as it gets, it can always be anchored or mapped back to the person of Jesus Christ and often his word, uh, even if it's not direct. And that's one of the things we've endeavored to do at Bride Ministries is to map things back to the word to provide a foundation, even for some of the weird, crazy stuff that we see. Because even as a qualification on my former statement, sometimes you don't find all of the parts of people in the body. Does that map to scripture? Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel that there are witches that will hunt souls with their pillows to make them fly. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that Babylon trades in the bodies and souls of men. What does the body trade look like? Sex trafficking and slavery. What does the soul trade look like? Yeah, hunting people's souls, pulling them out of the body and trafficking them to other realms. So it's actually in the word. I didn't tell you that before because I just, well, baited Steve, but this stuff does map. And we can go back over the whole conversation and map it piece by piece by piece by piece, because that's what we do all day. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, if we lean on the word, if we lean on the person of Jesus, we lean on the fruit and look for where it is, where people are actually sustaining the healing that they receive, we're going to find where the heart of God is resting. And so I don't know if you have any final thoughts, Steve. Well, just piggyback on it. <clears throat> like the fruit. Yes. So image of God, we need that image of God. That is primary, number one. And the fruit's got to be there. You know, love, joy, peace, kindness, patience. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit. We got to start seeing that 
coming out in some of that and um, and the nature of that and and like if we really are attaining that image of God it's going to bring uh, healing into our heart it's going to bring peace into our heart you know uh, <clears throat> when you're pulling out of a of a legalistic mindset where you believe God is just hammering you and that he's 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 obsessed with sin, and he's just trying to come at you with everything that you you buy, every sin that you've done, um, and and the the fruit from that belief is, man, God, I just I I just I, I'm 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 in a place of fear. I'm in a place of anxiety because I gotta make sure I perform well. So that's where the stress comes from. So if you see that that's the fruit, well then. That image of God is not producing the fruit of the Spirit out of the person. Stress, fear, anxiety. But when you're under the place of grace, when you see the grace of God come into the person, and they person, the person understands who God is to them, and they understand that Jesus is not obsessed with sin. He's obsessed with life. He's obsessed with your well-being. You, you know, he, he, wants you to, he wants you to do well in life. Uh, he's not going to want you to have stress, fear, and anxiety and and so if we have a belief of God that brings that on there you have to question that belief if, if that really is from God if, if you're getting stress and anxiety and fear from that um, I'm not saying that God is saying hey son I want you to go and meet with this person but God that brings me fear and anxiety <laughs> I'm not saying like that I'm I, sometimes God will have you do things like that but he says, if you rest in me, you're not going to have that, and you go meet with that person. It's only because you're choosing to believe something about that situation that is making you uneasy, and you're not resting in me. Because if you're resting in me, you can go in any situation and, and not incur those emotions. Because that's where the anointing is. It's in that peace. It's in that rest. The rest is so strong, and it's so powerful. And that is the nature of the Holy Spirit when he comes in. And he brings that calmness and just like peace in the storm thing. And so um, you, there'll be times where you're in a, in a hairy situation and it, maybe you're on a mission trip and there's ISIS fighters coming at you. And uh, you're like going, well, God, why would you put me in this place? Well, I didn't put you in this place, but there's a place in me where you can rest while they're there if you abide in me. Hmm. That's what... The anointing is all about it's abiding in him and just knowing okay i'm gonna be okay they're not gonna kill me they can't kill me hmm. because i know who i am i know where i'm at with him and i know i'm confident that he's gonna lead me out of the situation that's that's the place of the the fruit and the nature of what god is really like in, in all those times he doesn't want us to operate out of fear anxiety and uh and worry those, those are the things where the enemy can predict your actions. It can, when you are operating from that place, the enemy can predict what you're going to do next because that's how they operate. And uh, when you operate in rest, they can't predict your actions. They can't predict what move you're going to do next. And, and so they, they can't foresee certain things. Have you ever done things where you are, are, are moving out of worry and fear and and then the next thing goes wrong, and then the next thing goes wrong, and it's like, come on, I can't believe it. It's like the enemy 
is knowing what you're going to do next. And they're setting a trap and you walk right into it. They're setting another trap. You walk right into it because they, they can predict the next move when you're operating in that place. But when you're operating in rest, they don't know what you're going to do next. They don't know where you're going to go, how you're going to think, how you're going to respond, what you're going to, uh, what you're going to pray. And so they can't counter it and, and, and shut it down. So rest is a key component of the nature of God, the seed of rest. So, so good. Folks, I've been talking with Steve Harmon, and he hasn't posted much recently, but he does have a website at steveharmon.com. Dot org. Dot org. Steveharmon.org. Got that. And, then, and uh, he is going to be launching some things in the near future. I believe a podcast and a few other things. Yes. Uh, a YouTube channel, okay. uh, a, a forum like that, uh, doing small little teachings. And uh, yeah, I'm going to start going to be doing that. I don't know if I'll be able to get him in anytime soon or in the next few months because I'll be on a ministry trip. But uh, I'm hoping to get that coming up. And uh, yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, Steve, I want to say thank you so much. You've been a great guest. You really shared a lot of really, really good things. Folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.